Hi, everybody. This is Love Him, Love Them with Linda Gunner, where we give hope, touch lives, and change hearts. So grateful to be with everybody today. You're not going to believe the stories that you're going to hear on Love Him, Love Them. I'm going to let you in on a little, uh, what do you call it whenever you're not supposed to know something? Sneaky secret. Um, For those of you who already have the brand new book, Miracles with Mommy Linda, we have a brand new devotion coming out. It's a very big secret. Nobody knows, but now you know, so it's not a secret. Um, Don't even have the cover finished yet, but it will be ready for you to start so that the beginning of 2024, you will be able to understand, not just read about other people's miracles, but you'll actually be able to understand how can I be used as an instrument How can I get my miracle? How can I get a miracle for my friend? Uh, And that devotional book will take you through step by step. So uh, pre-orders will be coming out soon. We'll let you know about that as soon as possible. But if you want to stay up with us, you can go on Facebook to Love Him, Love Them. And also to our website at lovehimlovethem.org. We have a miracle story here for you today. Um, I'm very excited to introduce to you Tara Beebe. So if you are sitting down, you need to stand up. A big, give us a big, big, big round of applause uh, to help us welcome today, Tara. Tara Beebe, right? Tara Beebe. Tara Beebe. Here she is, everybody that's been waiting. So Tara, wow. Thank you so much, first of all. I know you're a very, very, very busy lady. Um, you've got your own business. You've got your own family. You've got your husband. You've got kids. Uh, we're probably in between school systems right now going to pick them up. But I want to thank you, first of all, for coming in. Tara, you're also, uh, Tara is also a huge volunteer with us here at Love Him, Love Them. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. One of her big to-dos is our Beauty for Ashes jewelry line. But what I want to focus in on, first of all, is how in the world you found Love Him, Love Them. You know, everybody says that people remember things differently. I have a memory of our very first phone call together. But I want you to share how you found Love Him, Love Them. Sure. So I, my first memory, excuse me, my first memory was seeing you at the Royston Baptist Church and it was in January on a very cold day in January. And you left, you walked out of the church. I'll never forget that. I work to do, you know, busy lady here. Hold on a second. For all of you who leave early in the middle of a church service, I just want you to know the speaker is extremely paranoid. And whether it's the pastor, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you got to go to your grandma's house for lunch. It don't matter. But all of a sudden, the speaker's like that. You then you start doing a mental a mental thing of what what did I say? What did I do? What was the ticker that might, made them leave? So, anyways, that, I do remember that part. You're so right. Well, at that point in my life, I had an online position, and so I had yeah. to go log in to get online. And um, but the one thing that really stuck out with me is you ask, does anyone know what true religion in the sight of God is? Oh, yeah. And I said, Karen, from the back row at the Baptist church, Karen, for the orphans and the widows. And that's what you were here to talk about. And so... And most people don't know that. Really? No, most people, when you say, does anybody know what real religion that God considers pure is? Uh, Quiet time, going to church, praying. Most people don't know that verse. Well, James one twenty seven. James one twenty seven, and James happens to be my favorite book of the Bible. Uh-huh. So when you said that, I was perked up and my ears were open, and I was like, I need to listen to what she has to say. 
And then you kept sharing your story. And the number seven is, of course, completion and perfection. And it's always been a very powerful um, number. And numerals are just anything numeral is interesting to me. So when you shared the story of on the seventh day of the seventh month in the 2007. Kids ages seven to 17. Yes. You said, does anyone know what seven represents? And again, from the back row. You, I said, um, completion, perfection. And you said, who's that girl? She must be the preacher's daughter. She's the smart one. And honestly, I was like, she recognizes me from my father because I, God's been good to me my whole life, and he's been the father to the fatherless. And so you recognize that, and I've always heard that spirit recognizes spirit. So that was my first encounter with love him, love them. And yes, I had to leave early. My son brought, or my husband and children shopped and they bought a couple of scrunchies. And he said, you know, and she really enjoyed it. So I think he cleared everything up that yeah, I just yeah, had yeah, to yeah. get he to work. It. And he time. also told me, he said, do you have an audio book? He said, because my wife likes to listen to audio books. And I was like, oh, we're working on that, which we're still working on that. So we need to get onto that. Right. So you have such a story, not only coupled with love him, love them, But you have a story that you're an overcomer. I mean, you are an overcomer. And you can help so many people uh, walking us through whatever parts of your story you feel comfortable sharing and whatever you don't. But I want you to encourage other people. You you are a, a picture, a perfect picture of perfection in what Jesus can do to someone's life. Right. For sure. For sure. And so I would love for you to share, uh, just whatever you want to share about how how you grew up, how you are now, how you came through, what you came through, and just to be able to give some other women and girls some encur- and husbands and moms and dads some encouragement. Sure. So share just a little bit because what you look like today is not what you looked like when you were a little girl. Oh, absolutely not. So I grew up in um, the Northeast Georgia area in Franklin and Hart. I was on the border of Franklin, Hart, Elbert, Madison. So I like to say that I know the best of all the worlds. (laughs) And I truly made my way around. I was raised by a single mother here in Royston, Georgia. My father was an absent father, but he passed away at the age when I was six years old. So um, that's why. And how old is your daughter right now? So my daughter's seven. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Seven-year-old and a nine-year-old son who'll be 10 in December. But yeah, I um, was raised here and left at 18 years old, like my hair was on fire, vowing to never return. <laughs> Which, and by the way, we're sitting in Royston, Georgia right now. Okay. It's, it's my address. <laughs> so um, 25 years, I... With your hair on fire. Like my, I've never I mean, heard that. I had to go. Oh, get My oh, hair was on fire. Okay, I was I like, I got to go put this out. So I went to Gainesville from Gainesville to the Atlanta area. And then for 17 years, I lived in the beautiful city of Savannah. And with the job I had at that time, I covered Savannah, Charleston, and Myrtle Beach. So I was really loving living on the coast and had no intentions of ever moving back to my hometown. But, um, you know, we make our plans and God laughs and (laughs) determines our paths. So in... um, 2020, I left my husband. My mm. children were four and six at the time. Well, that's just recently. Yes, yes. We've just reconciled our marriage. This October is going to be two years. And we were separated for 17 months physically living apart. Wow. We had gone through mediation. 
And yeah, and then I found myself back in Northeast Georgia with um, the family support that you need because it takes a village to raise children and to do it the right way. And um, so I moved back to Royston. I bought my own house here um, with me and the two kids, was doing the every other weekend trading off of the kids, meeting him in Renz, Georgia, which is halfway between Savannah and Royston, and we were doing the trade-off for right about two months, and actually on July 7th of 2021, um, he and I went through mediation. Wow. Now, that's like... We're done. We're done. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, wow. in fact, listen I up. Him. If you're, are you in mediation? Are you, have you already filed your paperwork? It's not over. It's, it's not, not over. No, it's, de- oh, I have cold chills. So it's, it's definitely over. not over. So, um, 7-7-2021, I sat through mediation. We would not mediate. We were um, going to have to stand before a judge to get a divorce. And wow. so, um, but I just knew that it was going to happen that day. And you knew what was going to happen. I thought that we would agree on that, that my divorce would be, everything would be set and we okay, would mediate. Okay, so when you go to mediation, that that's your opportunity to like do it yourselves? Is that what you're no, saying? No, we and both had attorneys to... and we, um, and it was during 2021, the summer. So we were on COVID. So um, yeah. the judge that proceeded over the mediation was in California, I was in oh, wow. Royston. My husband was in Savannah. Oh, wow. My lawyers, they had, both attorneys were in Savannah, and we were all on a Zoom call for six hours. And the judge would go from my room to his room, and we were fighting over material things. Um, you know, we just could so not. that's why it wasn't final that that's day. That's why okay. it wasn't final. Okay, I got it. Yes. Um, so he, we just... You know, we were going to go in front of a judge and plead my case. And okay. um, and I knew that judge would take my side. So 100%. anyway, I was like, yeah, you come on. So anyway. Let me just tell you the real truth. <laughs> <laughs> we went to, um, I planned a trip for me and the kids to celebrate that. Oh, wow. By going to Hiawassee. Um, so, but then it didn't happen. We did. It did happen. We went to Hiawassee. No, but the, oh, the, the divorce, divorce did not happen. happen. No, you no, celebrated this is anyways. how good. Well, I'd already had the book or the tripped, booked, and planned. So well, I know this part of the story. We go up go to the mountains. I just remembered And um, we went, went to Lake Chatoog, and there is a splash pad there, and it's on the water. And we're there for 15 minutes, and my son goes up to one bubble and is jumping from one bubble to the next bubble, and he breaks his femur bone. So 15 minutes later, we're being helicoptered out to Scottish Rite Hospital, and the next thing I know, my husband shows up four hours later. While my son is still in surgery, this is the very next day after I'm really angry with him in mediation and was expecting to to be done. Right. Then I'm sitting across from him in the hospital and still going there with, you know, we could work this out. Like, we still don't have to go in front of a judge. And, um, oh, not we could work this out marriage. No, we, we can <laughs> still work this divorce out. Like I was not, I was done. I was, you know, it, I'd lived through about three years of alcoholism. And so, and, you know, things in a marriage that God just didn't design. So right. I felt really like justified. Just justified in it. Yes. So I like to tell people now that God used um, my son's broken leg to break my husband's heart to humble himself before the Lord so that our family could be healed. So that happened in July, and there was no longer the every other weekend trips to Savannah to do the trade-off. At that point, it became, 
I had to humble myself and allow my husband to come into my home that I had wow. purchased as, you know, out of spite, separation. And right. Yeah. So at first I was still very ugly and made him stay in Livonia at the Days Inn or whatever the hotel is there. But I realized really quickly that my daughter wanted to stay in that same hotel with her father. Mm. So that was very eye-opening at that point. And um, my husband just... He went through such a transformation. He turned everything over to the Lord. At the time when we um, were going through a divorce, he was fired from his job that he had had for eight years. His wife had left him, and he hit rock bottom. We sold our marital home. He ended up moving back in with his mother. Wow. And all of those circumstances is really what it took to break him. He's a, you know— very strong man. He's a man very manly man. Very manly man. and um, But he's always had a heart for the Lord. He was saved when we were um, dating. He, I got to actually witness him be baptized during our dating stages. So I always believed in the promise that if I kept doing what the Lord would have me do, that even though he wasn't a believer, that he would turn his way or he would turn to the Lord. There's only one other little part with that, that it says that a, a wife can win her husband without a word. Yes. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the women forget that part about without a word. And we, we use, we use a lot of words. With my action. Yes. That's what I said. We use I a lot of words it. and we use whips and we use manipulation and we use whatever we can use. Wow. What a flipping story. Yeah. Right. And so in the midst of all of that, how does love him, love them get in into it? Because okay, very good question. So we reconciled. We got back together. He moved into my little tiny house with two bedroom. Night. It was built in 1900. Favorite house I've ever purchased. But so he moved in, and it was very tight. We went from a 3,600 square foot marital home to 1,600 square feet, and. Once ev- the calm settled, and from Savannah to Royston, and from that's the I mean, I love part. Royston, so let's get to love him, love them. <laughs> so from Savannah to a town where I left, like my hair was on fire because oh, wow. I dealt with so many. I don't want to call them injustices because now I look at it as just the circumstances that I had to go through to get to become yeah. the person, but icky stuff. Who God designed me to be, yeah. yeah. So the first place I remember living was in government housing. And until I was 44 years old, I would have never admitted that to anyone. But I worked for a cosmetic company, Clinique, for 20, over 20 years. And in 2018, um, I was offered the opportunity to go to Atlanta. And at that point, my children were two and four, and I couldn't do it. I just knew that it was um, just too much for me to handle being in the Atlanta world, um, right. the larger market that it is, the traffic. So I ended up um, staying home with the kids for four years. Wow! So when I moved here, not only was I moving back, but moving back with a part-time job, ending a career that I had had for, at that point, I had been an executive with the Estee Lauder companies for 12 years. Wow! And so everything in my life was changing all at once. And I remember the day that I was in my closet and I asked God, I said, okay, Lord, you've, you know, Clinique is no longer. So what do you want me to do with my life now? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to be your true, authentic self. And I remember laughing and saying, (laughs) Lord, you know, I don't know who that chick is. So in 2020, he really started to show me who that chick is. 
and what I what he how he designed me, who I am, and to own that. Wow. So after I left Clinique, I um, interviewed for a nonprofit organization. It's um, Oh my goodness, I can't even remember the name of it now. What is the largest nonprofit organization? United Way. Okay. United Way. <laughs> so I interviewed for United Way and they asked me the question, why do you want to work for United Way? And I shared that um, I had been in a poverty situation, not poverty. My mother worked. She's very hardworking. Yeah. But the fact is, is that I've grow, I grew up without in my very small town. And if it weren't for people pouring in and me really going out and seeking resources, that I might still be there. Right. So I wanted to be able to share with other women who come from the same or similar backgrounds that I did that they might not have had a father, that they might have had a father who was incarcerated like mine until right before he passed away, a single mom who had gone through a lot of other hard, difficult circumstances. Mm. I wanted to be able to share with other women that your circumstances don't defy you, Amen. that who you are is who God created you to be, right. and he will pave the path for you. That's good. Seek him, seek his wisdom, and everything else. And they didn't hire you? Oh, I did get hired, but oh. unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, you ain't working with him. I was What's going through him? the divorce and ended up oh. moving back to Royston, Georgia. So okay. around that time is actually when I started back working. I worked for Clinique Online. So I did end up coming back into the Estee Lauder world, and I had my part-time job here in Royston where, you know, it's interesting. You could talk to people all over the world and barely get internet in our small Franklin (laughs) County. So go pallet and wireless (laughs) (laughs) because they did allow us to, um, you know, I was able to connect and communicate. But what really happened in the way that I ended up with Love Him, Love Them was, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but in Franklin County, they allow parents to mail or to send flowers to their daughters for Valentine's Day. Oh, at the school? At the school, yeah. yeah, yeah they allow the um, florist to deliver flowers. So that's not everywhere you go. So oh, that's, okay. that's very special to the Northeast Georgia area. So um, I'd been living here from May to February, and then Valentine's Day rolls around. My husband and I have reconciled. Things are going well. And I get a note home from the school that if you're going to send flowers to your little girl, make sure you do it by 1.30. And it triggered a pain inside of me oh, wow. that had been buried since I was 18 years old. Like when I left here, like my hair was on fire. Yeah. I shoved every emotion that, you know, hurt, every hurt, every pain. I shoved it down. Right. And didn't even know that it was still there. Hmm. Even though my entire life I've joked about Valentine's Day and my disdain for Valentine's Day, Mm -hmm. and the core to that was that I sat there year after year. I was 16 years old before I ever received flowers at school, and it was from a friend. But I watched year after year these uh, girls that would get, you know, these big, beautiful bouquets of flowers, and I didn't have that. Family, I didn't have that. And so I really felt like, um, I don't know, that I had done without. Like, it was just a hurt. It was a pain. Right. So in February, that pain was triggered. And all I started to see everywhere was all the injustice that I had felt as a child. Oh, wow. And you're right here. Yeah. Driving down the same streets looking at Taking my kids to the same same school. school. Okay. The same school. So Satan just played havoc. He did. It was like, you know... 
Um, when I was growing up, my mom worked so hard. So for all of the single mothers out there, I have the most utmost respect for you because I remember being the little girl that couldn't go home from school early, no matter how sick I was and mm. would feel like my mom's got to go to work. And, you know, I just remember all of these things that I had gone through as a little girl. And then here I am and I have walked away from them for 25 years and didn't look back. I just continued to now every fake single it place till you make it right here in front of your face. Yes. And the same people and circumstances, mm -hmm. a lot of things in a small town, you know, they, they don't change. They don't change. Uh -huh. And so I'm like, oh, my goodness. I thought when we knew better, we did better. But unfortunately, that's not the case, you know, always. And so I went through a really, I would say, an identity crisis. I went through looking at who am I, how did I get here, and how did I get back to this, right. and what am I going to do about these circumstances? Yeah. So this rocked on from February to October, wow. and I was really spiraling. And one of the volunteers, Irene, she posted on her social media that Love Him, Love Them was here. And if you wanted to swing by, it's at the, you know, Ty Cobb Museum. And so honestly, I just came in one day and I was like, what are you doing here? What is Love Him? Like, I totally forgot that nine months ago, oh, yeah, it was, a it was your organization. Was yeah. But as soon as I, you know, started to speak with Irene, I was like, oh, I've met her. Yeah. So on November the 1st, I called you. I reached out to you. And at that point, what was going on in my life was I had already scheduled myself to go to a treatment center in Florida. I remember I that I was call. waiting on the intake. I was waiting on a person. The um, insur insurance had approved it. Right. It was going to be a, um, a place that there's this two places in the world or in the United States that treat trauma is the first is in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah. And the second place is really um, great. It's in Jacksonville, Florida, if anyone needs that, or in Orlando, Florida. So I was researching and had made my plans for October or for November to head out there. Right. And I called you on November 1st yeah. and I shared a little bit of my story with you. Right. And I never will forget the words that you said that encouraged me so much. You said, um, you know, what I do, you have a ministry um, called the Night of Hope, and that comes up in December, mm -hmm. and you shared that with me. Yeah. And I was that little girl who was never invited to a Christmas party right. and definitely didn't get all the gifts that I want. So that was the first thing that I just knew. Give them to them. They're over there. That, yeah. the Lord had, that the Lord had sent me to where I needed to be and that I needed to be involved with the Night of Hope. And I needed to tell other girls in Franklin Hart, Stevens, Madison, that your circumstances do not defy you. Right. You serve, we serve a mighty God and he promises to be the father to the fatherless. Right. And even though I didn't know how to pray growing up, I knew my grandmother told me that scripture right. and I held on to it. And I still, to this day, I share it with as many people as I can. Right. And, um, and you know, one other thing I remember that I told you, cause I can remember that phone call. I was in my Jeep. I was driving to be on a television show in Greenville, South Carolina. So I got, which is very odd because normally I don't have five minutes to talk to anybody. But I remember you saying, do you have a second? And I was like, girl, I got 45 minutes. I'm driving to Greenville. <laughs> And the other thing I remember you telling me when you were talking about the housing authority and growing up in the housing authority, and I was like, oh, wow, that'd be amazing because you'll know your way around because we deliver Thanksgiving. 
into the housing authority. And I said, so what I want you to do is I want you to go back to those exact same doors. And I remember you saying, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. You said, you know, it'll stomp on the devil's head. You need to stomp on his head right now. I loved it. I was like, yeah, you're right. I think you got the wrong chick right now in the beginning. And then I think you thought about it and you were like, yeah, I can do that. And then you were a huge instrumental factor, not only at Night of Hope, but you were at the Thanksgiving. You were there with part of, uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we literally uh, staked off that high school property. Your kids who obviously you have poured Jesus into them, whether you believed what you were doing or not, because they love Jesus. Your two kids are unbelievable. I'll never forget they were there and very instrumental in the beginning of setting up for Thanksgiving. So um, I do remember that call. It was a very powerful moment in my life, too, to see someone who, I want to make sure you understand this, when she called me, which we get this a lot, you know, a lot of times when my husband and I do marriage counseling, people will come in and they'll throw the divorce papers on the table and say, you know, here's where we're at, see what you can do with it. And pretty much that's what you said in the beginning of your call. You know, I'm leaving, I'm going into technically a mental institution, I'm out of here. And in one phone call, Mm -hmm. God chose to change the trajectory of your life. Mm -hmm. And now here you are, your marriage is back together. You're volunteering with Love Him, Love Them. You uh, are in charge of the relationships with the boutiques who carry our uh, Beauty for Ashes jewelry line. You are marketing our holiday line along with the Avita products. I mean, and that's all. I mean, it's not even November 1st yet. Can you believe it? Like God is so good. And I really do. I was walking down the streets in Gainesville, Georgia, and someone asked if they could interview me. Like just randomly. It was me and two other beautiful blonde ladies that are salon owners. And um, they said, she'll do it. And they said, have you ever been depressed? And if you did, what did you do about it? And I was like, oh, I will do it. And so I grabbed the microphone. And I just want to say this to everyone. Because this is what I said to the guy. Yes, I have been depressed. I have been so down and out that I was ready to sign myself into a hospital. And you know what I did about it? I started giving back. I got outside of myself, and I started serving an organization, serving with an organization that loves him and loves others. So since that time, I've been loving I've been loving him my whole life, but doing my best to love him and love others and that's what I just want to say in this time together. If anyone hears me say anything at all, it's just when we focus on ourselves too much, which is what I did for six months here from February to that call in November, I sat and I focused on myself and the things that had gone on in my life and the hurts and the pains. And it wasn't until that phone call of you telling me to stomp on Satan's head and this is where he wants you. And I'll never forget you did say, yeah, he wants you locked away in a funny farm. He, you're too powerful. He wants you to go <laughs> away right. somewhere. You know, he doesn't Sounds want you out right. here yeah. spreading the message. Mm-mm. And that was probably the biggest reason why I was like, you know what? I think this lady is right. I think that that is what Satan is trying to do is just hide my light, just to dim it. Completely destroy you. Yeah. That's what he was. And he was coming at you at every angle because you are beautiful. You do have such personality. You have the ability for other people to want what you have. And when other people want what you have and Satan knows that, he's like, well, look, I know how to destroy her. Let me just take her out. Same way he's doing the rest of the world. I mean, if you can get him on depression medicine, get him full of anxiety, 
make sure. I mean, that's his job. His job while we're here is to destroy us. And he lost the game with you. Amen. He <laughs> sure is still ago. losing. And I want to say this too, now that you talk about depression medicine, I'd been on a depression medicine uh-huh. for seven years. My uh-huh. daughter's seven. So it happened when I was, you know, going through my third trimester that my doctor was really afraid that I was going to go into postpartum depression because I couldn't stop the tears. So I was put on an antidepressant and I praise the Lord that July 30th, <laughs> I've no longer take that medication any longer either. Of course you don't. And now we're out of time, so end it on that. Because you can't medicate a spiritual problem. And we'll leave it with that. So if you've enjoyed love, if you've enjoyed Tara today, which I know you have, you should have learned an awful lot from her. You can go to our website at lovehimlovethem.org if you'd like to reach out. But we do want you to join us. We do want you to call us. You need somebody to call. If you're about to check yourself into a mental institution, you pick up the phone and call me now. I want to show you where real joy comes from. And it's not from your circumstances. And it's not from what you have or you don't have. Lovehimlovethem.org.